You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the January edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We'll start with this article written by Catherine Beard of Colorado College, Controversy Brewing Over Town of Crestone Noise Ordinance. Is Crestone the real-life version of the town from Footloose, the 1984 movie, in which dancing and rock music are illegal? The town of Crestone Municipal Code states that, quote, within commercial zones, noise shall not exceed 65 decibels from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. and 60 decibels from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., end quote. 65 decibels is equivalent to the noise level generated by conversation in a restaurant, meaning that live music and outside conversation generally exceed that level. T. Road Brewing Company, the only brewery for over 50 miles, has been recently placed under scrutiny for violating this noise ordinance law. Michael Booth, the co-owner and brewmaster at T. Road Brewing, said that he creates community beers in small one-time batches, all made in-house in Crestone. The brew pub opened at the end of May of this year and weekly hosts Open Mic Night every Thursday from 6 to 8.30 p.m. On October 2nd, after T. Road Brewing was fined $240 for violation of the town's noise ordinance, T. Road posted on Crestone Kiosk Facebook group a request for support from residents and patrons. The case of Carl Cole. This is not the first time people have violated the Crestone Noise Ordinance. In April of 2021, Carl Cole, a longtime Crestone resident and musician, was fined $20 for violating the 65 decibel limit. He said that he wanted to use music to bring the town together, especially the kids who were isolated during the pandemic shutdown. He did so by playing music out of a converted school bus set up with lights and speakers. If you had told me in 2019 I was going to enjoy playing Vanilla Rock, I would have laughed in your face, Cole says, recounting the day he got his first official violation. It was the cheesiest, most Vanilla Rock that we could find. We thought, this won't make anyone mad. And sure enough, it did it. Cole was the first person to be taken to court in Crestone by the Board of Trustees, and ultimately his case was dismissed. He said that his choice to go to court was one of principle, not the cost of the fee. The case of T. Road Brewing Company. Now, over a year later, T. Road Brewing is facing a similar challenge in its pursuit of live music. The town of Crestone has issued multiple fines and summons for the brewery's noise violations, but ironically has also praised T. Road for its compliance with a certificate from the town of Crestone code enforcer, Nancy Telos. The Crestone Eagle reached out to Telos, who declined to speak with us, as this is an ongoing investigation. Brewery owner Booth says... I had a home brewery and we were brewing a lot. We had a lot of people over at the house and they drank all my beer, so we decided we'd better build a bigger brewery. Our whole reason for putting this together was to build a community social center, somewhere where people can come together, listen to music, eat something, and watch sports. Booth wrote to the Town of Crestone Board of Trustees in July asking for reform, but there has been no significant development or conversation regarding his requests. 
Booth requested that there be a permitting system for private businesses to acquire noise permits with the town within the town limits to play live music and exceed the decibel limit during the designated permit time. He is even willing to pay a fee to obtain a permit instead of constantly violating the town code. Crestone Mayor Karina Danforth declined an interview with the Crestone Eagles, stating, The Board of Trustees has not yet made a decision, so I have nothing to report at this time. Danforth referred to a 2021 town survey about an increase in decibel limit, to which 49 Crestone residents responded. 33 Crestone residents responded that they moved here for quiet and solitude. Additionally, 11 residents wanted more music events, 17 wanted fewer, and 19 felt that the current amount is fine. The survey did not include opinions from the residents of the Baca Grand community just beyond Crestone town limits. Minutes from the Crestone Board of Trustees meeting on September 13, 2021 state that, quote, the prevailing desire among respondents was to have a set of rules that must be followed regarding noise in town. By far the most popular reason for moving to Crestone was for quiet and solitude. The trustees noticed among responses the importance of posting all town-approved events in advance of said events, end quote. Many have expressed that the Baca Grand community is far enough from town as to not be affected by noise pollution coming from within the commercial district of Crestone. Benjamin Beyer, owner of the Cloud Station and member of the Crestone Board of Trustees, said that Baca residents should consider holding events in their own locations, such as parks, as to create community environments outside of the Crestone proper. On Thursday, October 27, 2022, T-Road held its open mic night inside the brewery due to inclement fall weather. Over 25 people came to eat, drink, listen, and dance to the live music. Crestone local David Steele strummed his guitar as kids and adults alike moved and grooved all over the small dance floor. Steele even broke a string on his guitar by the end of the night. T-Road Brewing was not cited that night for the live indoor music because it did not violate the town noise ordinance. The Darktober event held over Halloween weekend was a continuation of the town's dark sky events that are held throughout the year. T-Road partnered with several sponsors for the event. They closed the street off, played live music, and welcomed the town in celebration. As a sponsor of the event, Bayer was fined for violation of the town noise ordinance. Bayer said that this has been an ongoing struggle and the trustees have failed to reevaluate the possibility of raising the decibel limit or changing the code. The event raised over $1,500, a donation to the Crestone Fire Department. Several other breweries from throughout the San Luis Valley also donated in support. Moving forward, the music does good because it brings people together. Here we are, out in the middle of nowhere, says musician Cole. The downtown two blocks of Crestone is the only urban center for an hour in any direction, so of course the music does more good. The only people who think music does bad always end up on the wrong side of history, he said. Booth is hoping that the code gets reevaluated and updated so that there will be a fair system in which the brewery can continue to bring live music to the community and its opportunity for connection. The whole point is to bring the community together to say, let's look at a process or permit system, like I stated in the letter that we wrote to them in July, says Booth. He continued, 
I am asking them to give us at least a variance that allows us to have live music in our venue. Our town sound ordinance is completely outdated, says Bayer. It's not keeping up with the times. We're not as quaint as we used to be. Our town has a lot more young people and a lot more activity. It's a different town than it was ten years ago. We need to evolve our codes to keep up with those times, Byer said. In November, Booth offered this statement to the Crestone Eagle. Our request was that the town board take action and provide a solution for businesses to play music in the open air. We requested that they create a permit system that would allow businesses to have live music with restrictions such as decibel levels, time, and days of the week. Currently, we can only request a permit for a special event, and I believe we are limited to three permits in a year. Our business thrives on live music, which generates significant income and taxes for the town. Without music, our sales are 50% less on any given day. Booth said he paid a reduced fine of $120 for violating the ordinance and is concerned about the future. If we continue to offer live music out live outdoor music, we could have our license revoked and have to close our doors. We have followed all the rules for complete and legal licensing in every aspect of our business, and the sound ordinance is our biggest issue now, said Booth. Catherine Beard, the writer of this article, is a student of Colorado College and was an intern at the Crestone Eagle in October and November. And now we have news from the Hatakonda Universal Ashram, written by Ram Lottie. First of all, everyone at the ashram extends their wishes to all for a blessed, peaceful, and successful new year. We will certainly be remembering all of you at our fire ceremonies at the ashram. We are grateful for all the support you have given the ashram this last year. We love to see you and be in touch with you. The annual holiday online auction was a great success. Thank you to all who participate. The ashram continues to be open daily from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We do ask that you call 719-256-4108 and make an appointment and wear a mask in the buildings. You are also welcome to attend the full and new moon fire ceremonies, which are now at 11 a.m. and will continue at that time for the rest of the winter. The new moon fire ceremony coming up is on Saturday, January 21st. It begins at 11 a.m. and is followed by chai and banana bread. The ceremonies will not be live-streamed because Ramladi will be doing fire ceremonies in Florida and will post those on Facebook and YouTube. We will be closing for the week of January 22nd through January 28th to allow vacation time and retreat time for the staff. The temple will still be open from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m., but not the shop or restrooms. Thank you for understanding. For the latest ashram updates, refer to our newsletter on our website at www.babajiashram.org. To see our live stream offerings, go to the Hadakanda Universal Ashram Facebook page. If you sign up there, you should be notified of the daily fire ceremonies when they go live. There are also many excellent satsangs with devotees, people telling stories of Babaji, Aratis, mantra recitations, and chanting on the Ramladi Wood YouTube channel. The Mahalakshmi shop is open daily by appointment, except from January 22nd to January 28th. Please call 719-256-4108 to schedule. 
You can access many of our products online at http colon slash slash mahala mahalakshmi shop dot wazala dot com. That's M A H A L A K S H M I S H O P dot wazala dot com. We are also happy to take photos of items for you. We appreciate your patronage of the shop as it is a major support of the ashram. We invite you to connect with us to learn more about the ashram, Sri Babaji, and the Divine Mother at our website, www.babajiashram.org, or give us a call at 719-256-4108, or email us at info at babajiashram.org. We love to hear from you. Bole Baba Kijai. And now we have some POA news written by John Rowe. Meet the Baca Ground Property Association leadership team. The Baca Ground Property Owners Association, POA, has seen many changes over the last couple of years, both on the board and in association management. Suganda Brooks is the only holdover from the previous BOA board. All management personnel within the association structure are new, with the exception of maintenance chief Sean Holmer and fire chief Jim Vanderpool, both long-timers. There are two new co-land use administrators, Debbie Oberhausen and Chris Weibrow. They bring a brand new outlook and attitude to their jobs. This is no small feat, as land use has probably attracted the most negative reactions from the membership over the years. Land use supervises the building process of all structures, from fences to complete home construction. Managing this effort is now a two-person job, as the influx of new residents has made keeping up with the membership demand a real challenge. Weibrow says, I inherited a backlog of unresolved covenant violation issues, many of which had court dates already scheduled. These have been reduced to a much more manageable level, and many have been satisfactory resolutions, both from the POA and member builder points of view. Eagle asks, what approaches have you used for uh, to achieve such good results? Weibrow's answer, I go out and actually talk to these folks, many of whom have been embroiled in covenant battles with the POA for years. I don't just send one officious letter after another. If they don't respond to a phone call, I go out and knock on their door. I have had uh, many people start out very hostile with me, and after a little while, we are on much more pleasant terms. And a mutually beneficial solution is often not far behind. This saves everyone time, money, and hard feelings. I am a, And I am a POA member myself. I live here, and this really gives me some credibility others may not have. The Eagle asks, Deb, how about you? Have you had good success in diffusing difficult situations? Oberhausen answers, Oh yes, I view my job as trying to be as helpful as I can to, and strive to be a creative and effective problem solver to all those I come in contact with. I stay quite busy answering the phone, doing research, and often emailing people back and with information of one kind and another. I can honestly say that although many folks are angry when they call in, almost none are by the time we are through talking. People just want to be heard and respected and really appreciate us taking the time to explain things to them and perhaps make a helpful suggestion or two.
the eagle asks, and I believe you have a background you feel helps with your job? Oberhausen answers, yes, I have had an interest in alternative building for a long time, straw bale, cob, earth chips, you name it. I have a background in graphic design, including homes, and some years in marketing. This all helps me to talk to home owner builders and pros with some familiarity. I also am comfortable greeting the public, and I believe that this is bearing fruit. I enjoy our membership and look forward to serving them more as time goes by. The Eagle asks, Chris, what is your background like? Wybrow answers, just about my entire career has been devoted to helping people, diffusing heated situations, and problem solving. I have always done a lot of face-to-face -face interaction and consider it to be a very, very effective tool in dealing with people. In 12 years of watching the POA, I have never seen land use so dedicated to being open, responsive, and helpful. John Rose says, Chris Weibrow and Deb Oberhausen are a big part of this. This is the third in a series of articles introducing the community to the BGPOA leadership team. Now turning to food news, meet your local food producers. Soil Sangre de Cristo 2023 events in your area. Soil Sangre de Cristo opens the new year with several opportunities to meet regional farmers. This will be a great time to engage with others in the community who support local agriculture and learn more about Soil Sangre de Cristo. In Montevista, meet Michael Jones of Jones Farms Organics in Hooper, Colorado. February 1st, 5 to 7 p.m., Rain Brews, 104 Adams Street. Soil Sangre de Cristo hosts Michael Jones from Jones Farms Organics. Jones Farms has a history of using regenerative farming methods, preserving water and enriching soil where the food is grown. Michael will discuss the future of farming and ranching in south-central Colorado during the severe drought. In Salida, Love Your Farmer, February 13th, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Moonlight Pizza, downtown Salida. Love Your Farmer and celebrate the ranching and farming heritage in our region. Moonlight Pizza and Brew Pub will donate 10% of the total sales to continue building the Soil Santa de Cristo Loan Fund for our local food producers. Enjoy great pizza and home brew while supporting the resiliency of our local food chain. In Moffat, SLV Seed Exchange, April 1st and 2nd, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Joyful Journey Hot Springs, Moffat. Soil Sander de Cristo will be present for both days of the seed exchange. Please stop by our booth to learn how we are supporting local food producers with 0% interest loans. Soil Sander de Cristo supports farmers, ranchers, and other food producers in our region with 0% interest loans. Investing with Soil Sangre de Cristo gives investor members a mindful and positive channel to generate resilience in regional nourishing food. The board is an all-volunteer team. This keeps operating expenses very low. The dollar invested stay, dollars invested stay in our community working again and again through the revolving loan fund. Members in our communities want to see a diverse and resilient food chain. Thanks to these members, Soil Sangre de Cristo has loaned $41,000 to seven farms and ranches in our region. Loan applications will be accepted through January 31, 2023 for a new round of loans.
Members of the community become investors by building the revolving loan fund to support this effort. Farmers and food producers join Soiled Sangre de Cristo for $25 annually. Annual memberships start at $250 per person and includes a vote on loan distributions. Contributions to the loan fund for any amount are welcome. Soil Sangre de Cristo's mission is uniting the communities of South Central Colorado through direct support for local farmers, ranchers, and food producers, improving food security, improvement in soil carbon, and health for all residents. All contributions are tax-deductible and are matched 50% by the Mighty Arrow Family Foundation. For more information, go to the website soilsangredecristo.org. That's S-O-I-L-S-A-N-G-R-E-D-E-C-R-I-S-T-O dot org. And we have this article written by Greg Goodland, Land, Water, and People. I wrote a similar article last year at this time, and I feel that it is appropriate to again reflect on the connectivity of land, water, and people at this time of year. These three elements are situated so deep within our being that we, likely, never even notice or consider how connected they are. Without one of them, we may not survive. By separating the three elements, I have taken an examination of what they mean to me. Of course, we all know that we live on the land and use its abundant resources to build our shelters and grow our food to satisfy the basic needs of life. It has been this way over the span of humanity. In modern times, the land provides additional benefits that enhance our lives. Great sunrises and sunsets reflecting light off our land provide warm feelings of appreciation, often at a spiritual level. And, of course, we have a multitude of recreational opportunities that provide healthy enjoyment of the land, further fulfilling our lives, especially here in the valley. We cannot consider water without acknowledging that it is the most basic necessity of life. The San Luis Valley, and indeed the upper Rio Grande Valley, are ringed by some of the tallest mountains in the state. They strongly influence the amount of precipitation we get here in the form of both rain and snow. Any available upper-level moisture regularly collides with those high peaks and results in copious amounts of precious water being dumped on us. It comes as deep snow in the winter or rain from thunderstorms in the summer. In the arid west, we store as much of that water as we can in man-made reservoirs since there are not enough natural lakes that do it for us. We need these reservoirs to sustain our population. The water also provides abundant recreational opportunities. Sliding down the snowy slopes on your choice of toy is simply fun. Swimming, boating, and fishing during the summer months are activities that provide countless hours of recreational bliss. As we look at the people element of this concept, I am inclined to separate them into two categories, those who live here and those who don't. I would argue that the people that live in this area represent one of the most culturally diverse populations in the state. From our indigenous roots to the more recent transplants, like me, we are all connected by a similar passion for the land. The ones that are not from here are surely jealous of us. That's why, we, that's why they visit. At least that's what I will continue to think. I recently read the first Land, Water, and People article that was submitted to our local newspapers on January 8, 2008. I am grateful to Mike Blakeman's insight to create the column, providing an opportunity to connect all of us in this meaningful way. We've covered a lot of topics over the years, and I recently was thanked for providing educational material for everyone's reading pleasure.
On behalf of all the Land, Water, and People authors, it is our pleasure. As we count our blessings this time of year, we can be thankful for the land where we live, the water that supports us, and our wonderful neighbors and visitors that enrich our lives. Greg Goodland, the author of this article, is the Public Affairs Officer for the Rio Grande National Forest. An avid outdoor enthusiast, you'll find him enjoying all public lands as often as possible. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 786 7777